Why, hello, listener, and welcome to a special edition of the Coco and Dolls podcast. It's the holiday weekend special edition, and the best part about it, it's kind of like a sandwich holiday because Thursday, as we record this, was Canada Day, and tomorrow, Monday, Sunday. or Sunday, <laughs> what day is it? It's actually July 4th. So we celebrate it here in the United States on Monday. And if you want to go back in our archive and listen to last year's Canada Day episode where we recommend the best in Canadian pop culture, please do so. Yoga Hosers was not one of those recommendations. <laughs> Wasn't it? No. Oh. I don't think. Uh, by the way, this is a Coco and Dolls podcast. We are real people and we do real reviews. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dolls. And not Dolls, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the brand new Netflix original docu-series. It dropped June 30th, the day before Canada Day. (gasps) If you're listening to this in real time, that was three days ago. That was Wednesday. It's called Sophie, A Murder in West Cork. It's about the 1996 murder of 39-year-old French woman Sophie Toscan Duplantier. I'm sure our French listeners are like killing themselves right now with my horrible butchering of their beautiful language. I thought that was actually pretty good. Sophie owned a... She was French. She lived in Paris, but she owned a house in a remote part of Ireland in West Cork, hence the title of the docuseries. Mm -hmm. She went there uh, by herself right before Christmas 1996, was brutally murdered. Uh, The three-part docuseries... The first episode really kind of focuses on who she was, what the murder was like, and the second two episodes are pretty much devoted to the prime suspect in the case. Spoilers ahead, listener, Mm -hmm. so just consider yourself warned. Maybe just even turn this episode off right now, depending on what what you want to know. I don't think we're supposed to encourage them to do that. Wait until we get to the commercials, and then they can turn it off. (laughs) So the prime suspect in the case, his name is Ian Bailey. He's a journalist. He happened to live in the town close to Sophie's house. He was a stringer for like the Irish Times and some other publications. So when the murder came over the wire. He started reporting on this story for a lot of these publications. Turns out uh, he (laughs) had, you know, some connections with Sophie. She'd mentioned to some of her friends in France she was going to meet with him because she was a documentary filmmaker. Um, He was, uh, there were some issues of domestic violence with his live-in partner of several years. He actually confessed to several people in the area. Like pretty much everybody in the town. Yeah, that uh, he did it, but due to some quirks of the Irish judicial system, he was never charged. He was convicted in absentia due to a quirk in the French judicial system in Mm -hmm. which a French citizen killed abroad. There the prime suspect can be brought to justice in France, even if, you know, obviously the murder didn't happen on French soil. And even if he doesn't appear in court, yeah. he got a chance to testify in his own defense. Ireland refused to extradite him. Mm-hmm. So... After he was convicted in France, right? Yeah, af- 
Well, I think they refused to convict. I don't know. Did they refuse? I know uh, for sure afterward because yeah, they for, said that in the, in yeah, the show. Yeah, because he was convicted and sentenced to 25 years. They refused yeah. to extradite him after the conviction. I believe they refused to extradite him before the trial mm-hmm. as well. Um, his lawyer didn't show up either, obviously, because his lawyer was just like, oh, this is a miscarriage of justice. He's not going to get a fair trial. You know how. But he said it in Irish and it was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the basic gist. A little bit of a longer summary than you normally do, Dalt. So. Yeah, you Usually I'm more to the point and it's so vague that nobody really understands. And then you have to weigh in with additional details in order to save the day. So what did you think of Sophie, a murder in West Cork? So I, here's the thing with these. We watch a lot of these because we're interested in them and they're usually pretty good. They tend to be formulaic, however. The, the stories that we are focusing on that we pick that are interesting. So there's a terrible crime committed, usually a murder there is some sort of uh, miscarriage of justice. So inept investigation, usually uh, bad uh, <laughs> prosecution or something like that. And then there's usually some kind of resolution at the end. I, I don't think I'm spoiling it by saying this one doesn't really have a resolution. It's three parts. And I think you're left to your own suspicions and conclusions in this, which is not a bad thing. Um I thought it was really well done. I thought it was kind of repetitive, though. There was a lot of overlap, and we get the sense that, yes, we think that Ian Bailey did it. And then maybe he didn't, but no, we think he did it. And it was kind of over the head, you know, like constantly, uh, yeah, it was this guy, it was this guy, it was this guy. Well, maybe it wasn't this guy. Oh, it was this guy, it was this guy. So uh, I I didn't like this as much as some of the other ones that I uh, that we've watched together. Um, but it was still it's still a documentary in a foreign country, and about a compelling story. So the thing that was revealed in this is, again, as we've seen in a lot of these docu-series, documentaries, is there's incompetence in the constabulary <laughs> yeah, this is worldwide. Yet another big murder investigation that cops bungled. <laughs> and so, I, I, but I will say in their defense that they said in this documentary that it was the first murder in living memory right in this town so but, they don't have a lot of experience with murder but it also so so they had to fly some guys in from yeah from dublin from downtown cork or something like that yeah so the i guess like the local pd doesn't even there's not even like a local pd office they had to come over the from yeah cork city and then they had to bring some forensics people in from dublin and of course mm-hmm. this is like Christmas. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure that contributed to the delay. Mm -hmm. Um, The, uh, the crime scene wasn't um, roped off. Yeah, it wasn't roped off for hours. Like her body is just like out there in the open, just people are just trampling all over it. They lose evidence. Yeah. Well, the gate, there was a blood splattered gate that the guy somehow they they took it off the hinges to go somewhere and yeah. then they lost the gate <laughs> like like this is a farm gate this is <laughs> right, not like a totally. you know this is not like a little kid gate where you're trying to right. trying to keep junior from falling down the stairs i mean this right. is a gate that's meant to keep cattle out and cars out and stuff like that a metal wrought iron gate and yet somehow they lost that and then how does that how does that you know not make it to the evidence room in what was it school or what what do they call the town yeah, that they were skull. in skull skull yeah yeah and then even more fishy, the 
uh, guy who's in... So the cops do their investigation and then they turn everything over to, like, if we're talking in American terms, like, basically, like, the DA mm-hmm. and the DA, even though it's obviously not called the DA in mm-hmm. Ireland. DPP, um, I believe Yeah, the was. DPP, the Director of Public Prosecutions, I think that's what that stands for. Uh-huh. He uh, decides whether there's enough evidence to charge the person and the DPP declined, like, twice. Mm-hmm you know, to charge this guy. Um, Despite overwhelming evidence, but it was all circumstantial. Well, yeah. But it was, a, it was a, a, a large gathering of circumstantial evidence. Right. And some of the, like I said, in very fishy circumstances, some of the reasons he declined to prosecute were suspicious. Like one of the people Ian Bailey confessed to didn't go to the police immediately that night. He went the next morning because he was 14 (laughs) and he was like, oh my God, this guy is going to kill me now too because he just confessed to murder. And so he was scared Mm -hmm. and his mom was just like, yo, what's wrong? And he told her, and then mom was like, we got to go to the cops. Right. So the DPP is like, well, this kid didn't immediately go to the cops. So we're going to discount this, you know, (laughs) <laughs> this well, report of the confession of a murder. So. And then also when the domestic dispute, uh, domestic uh, abuse uh, allegations surfaced, the reaction by the constabulary was, well, that's a very common thing. Right, yeah. like That's oh, actually you know, pretty common. Women get beat, you know? It's that like, doesn't mean he's going to do it to another woman. Right. You know? <laughs> actually, I think it does. Yeah, exactly. I think that's actually, yeah. a, you can draw a straight line from right. one to the other. So there was, as we've seen in a lot of these uh, docuseries uh, that are, Usually really well done. Netflix has has a good job. It does a good job of vetting these and green lighting them and everything like that. But as you see with a lot of these, it's just the police ineptitude is off the charts, mm-hmm. and that's what the driver is of this story. And they have the inspector guy, whoever's the main cheese guy. Who, uh, fair warning to people who are not familiar with any kind of accent, this is heavy with the Irish accents, and you might want to throw the subtitles on. Yeah, some of the uh, brogues are pretty thick and so there's the one guy who was the inspector i couldn't understand a word he said (laughs) and i'm usually pretty good with with uh accents and things like that but i think he might have actually had a little bit of a speech impediment as well or maybe his brogue was really really thick Mm -hmm. um but i couldn't understand a word he said so i don't know he might have been like yeah we did it we it was a conspiracy all the way along but he said it in so beautiful language that i don't i didn't (laughs) understand it at all well i so we're talking about the overwhelming circumstantial evidence Mm -hmm. And so Ian Bailey actually sued a lot of newspapers like seven or 10 years, I believe, after after. Sophie's murder because he wanted to claim defamation because all the papers had fingered him. I think they didn't actually come right out and say he killed her, but obviously they're going to Mm -hmm. say he's a suspect. Mm -hmm. And he sued them for defamation. And because of that, now the evidence is made public for the first time because... It hadn't been made public before. And I don't know if there was more evidence that the documentary filmmakers didn't include. Like, there there was definitely a lot of circumstantial evidence, and you've got the confessions and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, was there more evidence? Because just scratches on an arm and like a cut on the forehead mm-hmm. and I'm like okay they lost the gate so now there's no blood evidence well then there was the suspect sighting of him at the bridge yeah at a bridge nearby and, and then that the lady night. recanted her testimony later right. you know but under dodgy circumstances mm-hmm. so I'm like I mean there's quite a bit of evidence but I'm like but was there more evidence yeah. like I don't and because they were leaning so heavily into 
Like in the second episode, it was just all on him. And it was like, you know, this is all the evidence we have against him. And Mm -hmm. these are, you know, like all the confessions and stuff. And I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. I'm like, they're really building this guy up. So it's obviously not going to be him. And then then, there was his DNA on the brick. Right. Totally. And then, you know, nothing. Nothing. And I think this more than anything, this is a story of hubris because Ian Bailey is featured in this in modern day. He's interviewed in this and he takes people, you know, takes the documentary crew around his farm and takes them on a little tour and he's wittily talking about these things and showing off and And he's like oh i got that cut on my forehead because i broke a turkey's neck and it flapped its wing and scratched me like and he's he's still in he still lives in the town this little tiny town they all live together the people that were there during all this 20 years ago are still there so they're living with this in the same town with this guy who they all think he did the murder and he went around pretty much you know, admitting it to everybody in town and people that he ran into is like, yeah, I did it. It went too far. (laughs) And it's like, okay, so this guy killed somebody and yet he's walking the streets in our little town. So it's just, it's an amazing story of hubris because this guy just loves the attention. Yeah, totally. But it's also an amazing story of what the F is the, is the Garda thinking not charging this guy when they had multiple opportunities to put him through the process? Yeah. So it's it's fascinating. It's it's a, I love these kind of documentaries because they're more than just they're like little travel vignettes, but they're also dropping in on a culture because it's more than just like a murder in Chicago that has gone unsolved. Like this is actually something that you get a sense of what it's like to live in these places, and you get a real uh, perspective on the justice system. Like when we were looking at some of these other crime docs that we were watching and we're looking at why is the French system so permissive and why is, you know, why is, you know, it's so different from the system that we live in right now. Not saying it better or worse or anything like that. It's just so different. And I find that stuff fascinating. Yeah. Like a lot of the Western justice systems do have similarities, you know, and then there are just like quirks here and there where you're like, what? Yeah. Like we (laughs) watching some of these English dramas and the, and the, dramatizations and the English lawyer is just kind of sitting there and the, and the client is like, I did it and I don't care. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah, exactly. What's your lawyer doing? And the lawyer's just, and they, and they show the lawyer and he's kind of writing on a, he or she's kind of writing on a legal pad, looking up with, with mild concern and then looking back down at the, it's like, why are you even there? Like the criminal UK stuff we were always watching and those, they were fascinating, but their lawyer was just sitting there and the guy's like, I did nothing wrong, and then the and then the police is you know the police are aiming him down a road and questioning, and, and, a, the, and the and the lawyer is just kind of like, and in Broadchurch too, yeah, yeah, and in Broadchurch too, it's <laughs> yeah, like the, the lawyer just kind of sitting there like window dressing. Like I would love to be a lawyer in some of these countries because you just get imagine what they're getting an hour just to sit there to doodle on those those legal pads. <laughs> but then you'd have to wear one of those wigs, oh. so <laughs> it would cover up my bald spot. So that would be that would be great. You have a bald spot. Oh, I'm going to start wearing that around the house. Oh my God, I will. That would be amazing. Could you make that your Facebook profile photo? And when I go to my daughter's soccer game, I'll wear one. And then you could hold up like her fat head. And this is a thing that we're going to do. And my other daughter, when she's in her plays and stuff like that, I'll wear the the English legal, what do you call it? Wig? I don't know. The Canadians wear that too, yeah? I don't think they wear the wigs. I think they wear the gowns, but not the wigs. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. You're Canadian. You should know. Don't. Aren't there a lot of like? I've Canadian... never been to court. Well, yeah, but aren't there a lot of Canadian legal dramas going it's like, on? It's like, oh, gee. no, they're not, because everybody's just like, oh, sorry about that. Okay, <laughs> don't do it again. <laughs> You're docked three uh, three liters of maple syrup. Go home and feel shame <laughs> for a week. 
<laughs> That's the Canadian legal system right there. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> if only that were true. It, it's not LA law. It's like law. Eh? <laughs> How do we not have some kind of development deal with like Netflix Canada? I think Netflix.ca should give us a call. <laughs> don't, why don't we call Netflix.ca? Oh, yeah. We get, well, long distance charges are a thing, I guess. I don't know. We have unlimited to Canada and Mexico. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So back to Sophie. So uh, <laughs> out of 26 letters, what do you think? Oh. Unless you had more to offer, Coco. Oh, well, they, uh, so just be warned, listener, that it is three episodes, mm-hmm. but they're 49, 54, and 64 minutes, yeah. I believe. And they are dense. There is... They feel every minute of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it's not that... It, I didn't really think that there was too much repetition like Daltz did, mm-hmm. but there was just a lot of info packed into... That 49 minutes. Well, so. the duplication to me was like they use a lot of the same B-roll over oh, yeah. and over again. And they use this a lot of the same documentary or documents, I should say, over and over again. And there's the same pensive look by some of the people they interviewed. I mean, they did a lot of really good research in this. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of interviews. You can tell. So there's nothing. There are not any gaps here. I wouldn't say there is any factual gaps. So I guess the opposite of that is too much of the same thing, right? Yeah, there were extensive interviews with a lot of the townspeople. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the people who live in Skull have been there. Their families have been there for, like, 200 years. Right. Um, and then there were extensive interviews with all of Sophie's family as well. Like, her son, her brother, her parents are still alive. Like, I mean, they've obviously never been able to have any kind of closure. Because, right. I mean, they're happy that he got convicted in the French system, but... But he's still he's, free. Yeah, he's still free. He's Ireland. He's running around Skull selling, like... Uh, Bad poetry? Well, bad poetry, and also uh, this was shot last year, obviously, so it was at the height of the pandemic, and he was selling, like, gators. Like, he's sitting in, like, the town square with, like, a basket of gators, like, next to him, <laughs> you know, trying to sell, like, face masks during a pandemic. And <laughs> The irony there is rich. Yeah, totally. So, I'd give it, like, a B. Would you give it a B? Yeah. yeah. I'd give it probably a five, maybe maybe a six. Wow. I, uh, I, I've enjoyed other other uh, documentaries mm-hmm. more than I did this one, but this was fine. I mean, it was three episodes, so it's not like yeah. it was 22 episodes and then we got to the end and it's like, no, we don't know who did it. I would be like, ah, I sat through all this for nothing. So it was actually, it was actually very, like I said, I, I think what I have to do with my mind in these things is not always look for resolution at the end. Mm-hmm. I have to look for the journey. Yeah. How was the journey? And the journey in this was was pretty good. And it was interesting that it was a journalist because I'm a journalist or identify as a journalist. And I think that that part of it is like, oh, yeah, I can see where, you know, he's trying to write and he's trying to get the story. But all of a sudden he's in the middle of the story. Right. So that was interesting. But yeah. And uh, when uh, I <laughs> I don't mind spoilers. Daltz doesn't like spoilers so we watched the first two episodes last night and like i said the second episode like they're really building this guy up as the murderer and i'm like okay okay i'm waiting for the other shooter drop i'm waiting for them to be like oh but then it turns out he was actually in berlin or something like (laughs) he has like a rock solid alibi right but then at the very end of the episode like the last thing anybody says is well, he confessed to half the town, and then they cut. Yeah, and I'm like, which was brilliant. Oh, because I, mm-hmm. I had to go to bed because I had to get up really early today, so there was no way we were going to watch the final episode. So then I'm like, so you googled it? Did you? I totally did. I was sitting in the bathroom brushing my teeth with one hand and like googling with the other, <laughs> so I totally knew what happened. I should have known. Yeah, I can't. I I I have no patience. Well, uh, it's like reading the last chapter of a book, I guess, right before you finish 
the entire book. I'm you're skipping ahead. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that though. No, but I, it's like that. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. So, all right. Anything else to offer on this fine, fine documentary? Are you saying to to watch it? Is what yeah. you're saying? You're yeah, definitely watch it. It's three yeah. episodes. There, you can be done with this in two and a half, three hours. Yeah. So it's not a huge time investment. Um, and it's trending on Netflix right now, so it's definitely top ten material. Yeah, it's still top ten on Netflix. And uh, just for legal clarification, we are not saying that Ian Bailey is a murderer. We are saying... Right. Did we say that at any point? I'm just saying, we are not saying that he is culpable of any variety of crime that may have been mentioned in this podcast. So uh, our lawyer got to you. (laughs) Did he or she get to you? (laughs) Our lawyer who also represents Marky Mark, who... (laughs) Our lawyer is actually sitting beside us looking at us and writing on a notepad every now and then. (laughs) Right. And then looking over at us again and... Keep hanging yourselves, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help you. I'm getting $99 an hour. No, that's actually probably low. Yeah. I wouldn't want a lawyer who only charged $99 an hour. $900 an hour. Right. Totally. Okay. So thanks for joining us, listener. We appreciate it. Who knows what we're going to be podcasting next. It could be a crazy Chris Pratt movie. It just might be. Oh, stay tuned for that. So for another episode of the podcast, I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dalton.